professional. Hello, and welcome to Winter Faith with Frazier. My name is Andy Frazier. I'm the host of this podcast. This is an excellent, excellent episode. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Ian. Ian is somebody who I've known for a long time, almost two years, which is a long time. Um, So I'm going to start off with a question for you, Ian. What is the best Star Wars movie? Everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to know what we think. I think this one, simple answer, Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back is the best. Absolutely. Okay. The locations, you got Hoth, you got Dagobah, you got Cloud City, the characters, Yep. Boba Fett. Do I need to say anything else? That's the only... No, he appears in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, but he's introduced. Yeah, right. And that part strikes back. Yeah. And that... They were gonna do, like, a movie with him, right? They should have. Yeah, and they cut the end of it. All right. See, I think, for me, it's still A New Hope. Star Wars. Probably not the best movie, but my favorite. Maybe... Did I say best or favorite? I don't know. But, yeah. I think Empire is probably the best film, but I think my favorite is The New Hope. What makes it your favorite, then? I think probably the, like, I like origin story stuff. Like, it's the start of something. It's not in the middle. You have the stuff with Luke and his, um, what, stepfather, I guess, yeah, is yeah. in there. I just thought of that. I don't <laughs> Yeah, Uh, so you have Luke and his stepfather, and it's like he's, you know, the hero's journey stuff, trying to figure out who he is. I just like that origin. I like, you know, I like the Batman origin, the Spider-Man origin. Like, I like the beginning of stuff. But I feel even from an origin perspective, you get more of that in Empire Strikes Back. Because you get Yoda, you start Mm -hmm. to learn about the Force. Um, You even get Mm -hmm. the greatest reveal, spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. it's been a couple years now. Right, right, right. Darth Vader's Luke's father. That's true. How's Don't want to spoil it for any kids listening. That movie came out in 1980, but still. Yeah, so. Yes. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, we have decided to talk about some really light, easy topics like fatherhood and parenting. I appreciate Ian coming on the show and talking about this stuff because it's not easy. Two guys talking about being a dad. It's very, very exciting radio. Not a topic that's discussed very often. No, not so much. But I think an important one. And I, you know, I guess I wanted to kind of talk about this because I'm getting ready to have um, my wife and I are due in June to have a son. So this has been on my mind. What, you know, what is the hardest part about being a dad? What does it mean? to, you know, to be a father to a young boy in this world. Um, you know, what do I want to teach my kids? Already having, you know, one, but now adding a second one that's a boy. Just all that stuff has been in my head and on my heart. So I'm really thinking about this stuff. So where would, like, where would you even start with something like, you know, if I said, you know, what's it like being a dad to, to have, you know, to have a son? Stuff like that. Well, I guess to talk about my credentials, I do have two boys. I'm yes, a that's right. Boy two and a boys. Five-year-old boy. Yep. And one day I hope they will become men. Right. Uh, and my job 
I feel like I was tasked by God to make them into men. Uh, wow. Becoming a man is not something that happens to you. It's something you become and something okay. you work at. I like that. I don't think that you can just say because you're 18 years old or 24 years old or even if you have your own children that you're a man. Uh, it right. comes from accepting the responsibilities. I like that. What? So you said like... It's something you would say. It's something that you teach, like you teach somebody, you train somebody. Oh, for sure. How to I don't be a, think it comes, how to be a man. I don't think that it comes naturally. I th- I think we have a draw towards it, a pull towards it, because that's how we're created. Uh, I believe that that is in God's heart for us to become men. But mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. that you have a lot of people who never become men because they don't have an example. Wow. And yeah. You'll find people who have gone one way or another in their life and have done a lot of things but never truly accepted the role that they were meant to play. And I think many people run from it. Mm -hmm. Because it's not... If you advertise being a man, most people aren't interested in it. Okay. It's not a job that a lot of people would like to do. Yeah, because like being a man, I feel like in some ways... And, you know, correct me what you you think about this, but it's like... (laughs) In our world, like being a man, be is almost equated with like being immature. Some in some ways, sometimes, it's like that's what oh, being a man, it's like oh, like the dumb jock who sure yeah you know is I don't know I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like the immaturity is so ingrained sometimes. Yeah, well, I believe that's a poor definition of manhood. Yeah. I believe that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a male who has become an adult, but mm-hmm. not necessarily a man. Mm-hmm. And I think if mm-hmm. you are running from... I really define manhood more as accepting responsibility. Accepting responsibility, yeah. And if you are running from the responsibility, whether you're not being a father to your kids, or you're not being responsible at work, or you're running away and trying to do what you want to do instead of what needs to be done, you end up with this image. And I believe that the image of uh, a male who is an adult Mm -hmm. has so been scattered over our culture and in our television and stuff that people have seen that that is what people think of when they refer to as a man. Yeah. They sometimes think of like Homer Simpson. Yes. That's a ridiculous example. Right. Or... uh, Not a man. What's the other one? Two, two and a half. What was the that had That's the con- exactly what con- I think yeah that yes. had all controversy on that. Is that yeah. show still on? I don't even. I doubt it. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, I guess the other thing. So like the immaturity, you know, as seen sometimes, but then also, um, I get caught up in oh, being a man is like how much you make per mm. year, right? And that's something that I battle with because, like, I don't make a lot of money. And probably won't. (laughs) Unless something happens here with this podcast and it it grows, you know, in ways unseen. I don't think uh, either of us chose get rich uh, careers. Yeah. But it's like, I think of, like, um, um, Mad Men, like the 1950s man who makes all this money and has suits that are super sharp looking and walks to down Manhattan and makes all these money and the women all like him. And he is a terrible dad, a terrible husband, drinks at work. He's an alcoholic, doesn't show any emotions, you know? So I still like that show, but it's like, 
a weird thing to like the show Mad Men because it's like everything I don't want to be. Yeah, and but it's still something... like attractive to me some weird way. I don't know. Right, and I think there are, there are aspects of that, like the I guess the power that is yes. enticing. Power. To that's that's it. Yeah, man. But it's not somebody that you would look at your son and say, "Son, I want you to be like that guy." Mm-mm. And it's not somebody Mm-mm. that you would say, "If I could only model my life after that, I would be successful." Mm-mm. And if right. I can use the term toxic masculinity, right. which I'm very... I know, that's a yeah hot word that yeah we it, throw around a little bit. I don't... F- I feel like that example there, that, that would when be you say that toxic is. masculinity, that's what you're talking about. Yep. I don't believe that there's anything inherently toxic in being a man. Right. As defined by... We have the example of Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus was a man. And yep. Jesus was not like that. And so we can right. take those two examples and say, which one is a man? I'm going to point towards Jesus and hopefully point my kids there too. Yeah, so thinking about pointing your kids towards Jesus, what does that five-year-old and a seven-year-old, how, like, what what are some of the things that you, like, how do you be an example of Jesus to them? Because, like, obviously they only understand so much sure. at five and seven. I It's less about theological concepts right. sure. and more about uh, examples. And I remind them, like we remind them when they are given second chances, why are they given second chances? Oh, wow. Because God gives us second chances. Wow. Uh, We remind them that if they make mistakes, every day is a new day because God's mercies are new every day. Mm. Uh, Mm. We we try to, you know, we we raise our kids and we discipline our kids in a fashion where I want them to know right from wrong, Mm -hmm. but also that... God has given me the authority to teach them right from wrong. And there is that greater authority there that even I uh, am under. Mm. And so sometimes I have to apologize to my kids because I'm not being a dad like God told me to. That's so good. I Man, so many good things there. But so you, you'll sit there and tell them like, hey, God gives you second chances. Yes. That's, yeah, that's verbally said to them. Yes. That's huge. Yeah. That and then one of the things um I talked about, I just wrote down some stuff of what I think being a man is. You said um you allude to admitting mistakes yes. when you're wrong. And that's something you tell them. And I actually remember my dad doing that with me sometimes. He would say, Hey, I got you know, I got really mad at you and I, you know, I just wanna apologize for kinda acting out of anger and I, re- I remember that stuff yeah. like I can I remember there was something <laughs> we were going to see we were going to see Independence Day the only good oh, independent yeah the only good one that's ever been made and that <laughs> one I went to I went it came out like on a Sunday July 4th I, I assume or something Seems like that yeah and I had done something wrong, no idea what it was, and I like wrote a letter to my dad being like, oh, I'm so sorry that I did this wrong, I really want to go to this movie, and I wrote, the, like really poured a lot of thought, and not as like a joke, like I was serious, but um, like he read it, and he was like, alright, I really appreciate you do that, I'm going to take you to that movie. Like that was a pretty cool little story, I don't Maybe know. to appeal to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so... 
And he did that kind of stuff towards me, too. Because um, I think that's important because you, you have a father, but not everything your father does is perfect. Sure. And so I think it's good, but as a child, when you look at your father, everything your father does is, is appropriate. Like, you don't know yeah. the difference. So not until able, you get older do you start questioning if they did it right or wrong. Sure. And to be able to say, hey, I didn't, I didn't act like Jesus back then. I know wow. I try to demonstrate to you who Jesus is, and that's not him. Um, me getting angry with you in that way, that's not how Jesus does it. That's mm-hmm. not how, you know, I've been instructed to do it in the Bible. So I'm sorry to you. And when we pray, let's pray not only that you learn from your consequences and you grow from that, but also I do. Mm-hmm. So that when we pray at night, we pray that, you know, that they would learn to love God mm. and that they would learn to listen to God and, you know, be good little boys and one day be good men, mm-hmm. but also that I would be a good dad, mm. you know, and I let them hear that because I think there's, it's important to have that humbleness mm-hmm. to say, yes, I do have this position of authority because I do, we, you know, fathers have that authority, mm-hmm. but it's not that everything I do is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And the authority just to, um, I guess throw this in here. I wrote down Ephesians 6, 4, um, where Paul is talking about being a dad, you know, and he says, do not provoke your children in anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. It sounds like that's what you're trying to do. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Because I actually wanted to verify that reference before I came on the show. Yeah. Because that scripture flashes in my mind all yeah. the time. What is it about it that... that? I think it's from experience. I, you know, was provoked to wrath a lot as a kid. And I remember okay. the stubbornness that it put inside of me mm. to say... Okay. No, it's the sort of cut off your nose to spite your face just because you're angry, mm-hmm. um, where you would be stubborn and not listen just because you're angry with another decision or just because mm-hmm. you don't agree or you don't like how a command was given to you, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And that flashes in me constantly because wow. I, I remember that. And I don't want wow. my kids to, especially my boys... I don't want my kids to resent my discipline and to resent mm-hmm. my authority. And I mean, it's so hard. I mean, the like the discipline stuff. I mean, it's man, kids are very fun. <laughs> they they are, <laughs> but they seem to like know certain things to do, like just innate, <laughs> like I don't know. It's it's one of those things, like whether it's a boy or girl you know son or daughter there's just things that yeah like bring up anger and i i think about how my first emotion a lot is like anger Mm -hmm. and that can become resentment like you said and like how this scripture um talks about um hey like it just names it like do not provoke your children in anger and so that like just how accurate that is that's it's amazing like how that exactly and how, okay, how can I use anger in a positive way that becomes good discipline? And I even uh, heard somebody say, I have no idea where, but, like, if your kids, like, are never, like, 
acting in or not inappropriate but but it's like they're always listening to you and they're always doing everything right then you're probably doing something wrong like if there's no conflict this is probably a good life lesson if there's no conflict then probably something's wrong like there should be some conflict that's okay well in a marriage as well like when you're married yeah. if you never fight with your spouse that's not a good sign right can you resolve the conflict is yeah what's important yeah so that yeah i'm glad that verse speaks to you it does me too um yeah what uh, what else when you think about your raising um your boys what uh, what else kind of comes to your mind uh i want to i wanted to highlight how i feel that manhood is something that you accept okay and so when i found out that we were having our first kid uh and it, that it was a boy yeah i knew immediately that i had to start becoming somebody worth copying whoa which is okay huge for wow. me because i know myself and i know the things of me that are good and i know the things of me that are bad and i'm very aware of the things that are me things in me that are bad and do i want my children to have that especially my boys because mm-hmm. you know men deal with things a lot of times that women don't mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whatever the boys see in me they will copy wow whether good or bad and then am i somebody that is worth copying am i somebody that's worth copying that's pretty good yeah you know they see you do the dishes or they see you say hey mom does the dishes men don't do that <laughs> Like that could be, you know, I, you know, I take out the trash that, and so they want to copy taking out. Do you see them trying to copy you now? Uh, in chores? No, never. (laughs) Yeah. Bad Uh, example. (laughs) But I I think that they, they copy the affection that I show my wife. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. they know that, you know, physical affection is not a bad thing. Yeah. right, Um, Right. Something, you know, hugs and kisses or something we do at the house. And I think that's very important. Uh, they copy my behaviors. They copy my attitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, even sometimes you go over and they copy something you've said. And mm-hmm. that might not be something that you want them to say. <laughs> but it's not their fault. They've heard right. from you. And so, right. Wow. Is there, um, is there like important things like you really, really want them to, co- to copy you in? Like the... I mean, the number one thing, obviously, would be being a follower of Jesus and mm-hmm. being in submission to the Word of God and uh, to Jesus and how he did things. And so we bring Jesus up a lot, and we say Jesus wow. is our example. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus does do this, um, even just in, not all in a negative way, but even in a positive way. Like, if somebody needs help, like their little sister might be asking for a cup that she can't reach. And oh, my yeah. sons ignores that. And I come to him and I say, hey, when Jesus sees somebody in trouble, he helps them. Mm. And so for you to ignore her asking for help is you not being like Jesus. Mm. And so not just the negative things like don't do this, don't do this, but to keep in mind, no, do this as well and do this. That's super convicting because I think about um, how often do I talk about jesus like in my household with my daughter and i mean just in my life i don't know if i do that that much like i i i know it's in me but it's like well it's in me because somebody told me about it how often do yeah that's a good and i don't want to say we don't have jesus conversations all the time this is not something that 
I don't want anybody to think that we every situation. Yeah, every sentence has Jesus, to have Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in it. Every sentence on the podcast, but uh, it is something that I am mindful about. And okay, I want to be in part of those. Stuff. Yeah. And part of the conversation. Do you guys read, like, read scripture together? How does that work? Uh, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Jesus Storybook Bible. Yeah. It's yeah. something that we use. Um, we do more with stories, just talking about stories. Yeah. And so talking about, you know, Old Testament stories or New Testament stories mm-hmm. of Jesus. Um, rather than sitting down and, I guess, reading it. Yeah. I've tried to read, like, the Bible with them, you uh-huh. know, the adult version. How does that go? There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of buy-in. <laughs> There's no pictures. That's no. They yeah. got the maps at the back, but it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, that is because I always, you know, try to think of my own life, and you forget so much stuff. And I feel like most of my story learning, Bible knowledge stuff comes from um, church. Yeah. And when I think about for us right now, just with our daughter, like she hears stories from church and it's all like it's always fun to hear her interpretation sure yeah like the story of um oh man shadrach meshach and abednego her her takeaway was like well you need to bow down to the sky because you don't want to get thrown into the fire and i'm like well that's true you do want to you want to like do you want to live or (laughs) go into fire so you know i do think there's probably some more complex stories uh but just that she's getting exposure to those those stories i think is good because then i'm just like wait okay she's hearing stories from these people in her life but like when do i tell her stories about stuff in scripture so I don't, i'm wrestling with that how to do that more and uh i don't think i'm doing like a bad job or anything it's just something that in- like being intentional that's kind of what i'm hearing like being mindful being intentional that's kind of what i'm hearing and, and I think that is a key to manhood is being intentional. Like you intentionally accept manhood. You intentionally yeah. accept responsibility. Um, it's waking up in the middle of the night when you absolutely don't want to, to mm. take care of somebody. And there's wow. a little bit of, I guess the word obligation, but you accept those things. And I think mm-hmm. a big key to, am I a man? Am I accepting responsibility? Like I, I tell my children when I go to work, I said, well, we were made to work. God made us to work. And so mm-hmm. I have to accept that that is God made me to do that and then find the joy and find the purpose in it. Because mm. I can't just say, and I don't want my kids to learn that work is not good. Right. Uh, and I don't want them to see in me, well, dad doesn't want to go to work uh, because I want them to work. God clearly tells us when he creates us to work. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, there's something like when you... One, I guess one of the things is the intention. You talk about having intention. One of the things that I wrote down is living with purpose. Mm-hmm. But I feel like life is really good. Well, we always have purpose, but you need like good purposes. Sure. Like if it's like, well, I'm going to wake up today and watch a whole season of The Office. Okay. Like that is, a, <laughs> that is a purpose. That is a purpose. <laughs> but, you know. There's some like we're always doing intentional stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of like what those you know. Do they see you, you know, wake up and go for a run in the morning and then come home and then go to work? Like there's something really good about that mm-hmm. that I remember like seeing my dad like train. My dad ran marathons, so like we went to marathons. I remember being at races where you know, where I'd see him run. And, and so I saw like, oh, he's, he works hard on that. 
And then later in my life, we got to run a half marathon together. And that was, that was pretty cool. Like a really good moment for us of like doing something together. Right. Um, and yeah, so I, yeah, I saw him run and that's, you know, that's, there's something really good about, about the intention of like living with, with purpose. Um, yeah. And also That's good. those activities that you do with your kids as well, especially the healthy ones. You talk about exercise mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I I run. My boys have said, "Dad, can we go running with you?" And yeah, that's something you know. At five years old, it's a little bit difficult. yeah, kind of tough. Um, but it is something that we can grow into as a family together. Yeah, and like so challenging because I think, man, I'm not I'm not running very much right now. Soon I'm gonna have like a kid that wants to go running. Like, oh man, I'm gonna actually like have to be able to run <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and have the discipline as well which is another characteristic I yeah think is important is that the, discipline yeah the discipline and then like how your kids like like challenge you mm-hmm. oh, i don't sure. i don't think that's something i thought like oh wow like they're they're calling me to step up right which is what you're saying about like no manhood is about like responsibility intentionally stepping up yes yes yeah, and that's one of those things where, because you can have a, a baby and and not step up, and there are mm. plenty of stories you hear, especially, you know, our parents' generation, two generations ago, yeah. where you could be an adult male and have a child, and the mother would do just about everything. Do everything. And you went to work, and then you kind of had fun, and you would be in the kid's life when you chose to be. Yeah. Uh, I think society's a little bit different now, so it's a little bit easier Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to make that choice to not only then be a father and a man, but also that this manhood thing can be it, a husband as well. And is it becoming cooler to be like in our world today? It's becoming cooler to be like this emotionally vulnerable, present father. Is it becoming cooler or is it, is it the same as it was in 1940? I wasn't around in the forties. <laughs> That's true. You were, <laughs> you were, you I were. I don't know if it is, uh, cooler mm-hmm. because it again it's not something that people would say yeah sign me up for that i want to go to that camp where i tell everybody everything i've done wrong <laughs> and I, i'm laid bare and everybody sees my mistakes oh yeah i don't think people sign up for that but it's becoming more common okay think, which is good and especially i've seen in the Christian more acceptable circles, maybe to be like more vulnerable and yeah, I think so. And yeah. I, well, I think it comes from like who's asking about it. And so okay. when, uh, women who I think a little bit easier to be emotionally vulnerable with each other, when they see men doing that, they're great. This is a good thing. Um, yeah. Because we can see into your life because you have these emotions. Yeah. You do. But are you sharing them? Are you talking about them? Are you working yeah. through them? Or are you hiding them and secluding yourself? Yeah. And it's like I've a chaplain, trained minister working in ministry for most of my adult life and should be this like really good listener, vulnerable, talk about my emotions, not afraid to go to a counseling office. And I'm still terrible at it most of the time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's hard like sharing and, and being like that like spot of like, cause I, I feel that struggle between like wanting to be this, decision maker mm-hmm. confident like you know i want you to be emotionally vulnerable but i want you to be really confident sure and i don't know how to well, I, don't, I don't know i don't know that those are mutually exclusive okay yeah um, 
I think you can make good decisions. You can make wise decisions and be honest about how you feel about those decisions. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I think you could have the cake and eat it too there. Mm -hmm. It's tough though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I feel, yeah. yeah, I'm feeling that. The Yeah. Feeling that right now. No, absolutely. But I think about, <clears throat> there's a, a men's group that I attend and every week, you know, a dozen men, we, we get in a room and we talk about successes and mistakes we've made. Wow. Um, all in our quest to be a little bit more like Jesus. And is this through church, this group? Is, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I just think, man, this is something that, that men need. Men need this spot yep. to be around other men who have the same struggles, who can work together. Um, not just with, I mean, there's the spiritual stuff, there's emotional stuff, but there's even physical stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things that I see in men is a lot of isolation. Yes. The oh yeah. Vulnerability, the emotional vulnerability comes in there Yeah. where you are, this idea of being a man sometimes can be like, you are self-sufficient. You are completely everything. You yeah. Need. You don't need anybody else. Do everything yeah. on your own. Be a man. Suck it up. But that's yeah, not you know. like, I don't think that's anywhere in the scriptures. I uh, don't. Yeah. No, it is not. So. But, and, and I think for me, when I have done like 12 step work and celebrate recovery, when I'm around a group of men, that's when I like feel the most like at home. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah, these, they're saying all the stuff that I say in my head yeah. that I don't like, Oh, I don't like admitting that I need help. And I don't like, I don't always like going in that circle, but it's like, I need that. Sure. Yeah. Cause I'm not the same person. Like I look at my life before I started going to, groups like that and after and it's totally different i even had a person come up to me in our in our group when i was living in memphis and be like you like look different you sound different you're like a totally and he was like very happy like right. hey like you're doing it yeah but it uh it's like those things that are worth doing usually are hard that's that's like feels like the definition of something worth something is not going to be something you like intentionally like oh i'm gonna go do this and go talk about my feelings with 12 other men yeah that's <laughs> and i think it just i have a very kind of a similar story where i've been married almost 10 years now congrats and i was you know i know people change over time but recently in the last year my wife came to me and said you know you're not the same person you used to be you used to mm. be carefree and you used to be you know you didn't really deal with stress and your attitude was just different and you're different. And as that sort of hit me, and yeah. so I started to look at myself and I realized that these things that we're talking about, that give life, this sharing, yes, absolutely. Um, this having the purpose, meeting with other men, sharing your struggles. I've been so isolated for about four or five years mm -hmm. um, and, mm -hmm. and hiding behind the veneer of being a dad mm -hmm. and saying, I need to be at home. I need to not go out. Um, Mm, but being wow. with this men's group, you know, you'd have to ask my wife for confirmation, but what you're saying about being different, I feel different. Yeah. Every, every time I leave a meeting, I feel different. Wow. That, I mean, that's so true. Cause I, the, what you're saying about like hiding, like, well, I have to be at home cause the kids are sleeping. So I need to be home watching Netflix sure. by myself. This yeah. is really important <laughs> <laughs> or ESPN or, you know, whatever. Yeah. That is funny how we can hide behind that. Because usually my experience has been like, oh, my wife really enjoys it when I go to a group. Sure. I come back and I'm a better husband and a, and a better listener. Yeah. And yeah, but it's like, but I still am like, oh man, 
do I want to go? (laughs) I I mean, it's like... I have that exact same struggle, and my wife is like, please go. (laughs) Yeah, get out of here. Because she knows that it's better. Yeah. It's funny, we were talking earlier about how we've known each other less than two years. We know each other because our wives know each other. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about how, like, yeah, I have a lot of friends because my (laughs) wife has a lot of friends that are married. Yeah. So... That, you know, that's a normal part of life. That's how you meet people. You know, you have connections. But I think there is something good about when I am on my own seeking friends outside of, like, just, like, a setup of, like, well, these are my friends because of social networking and I'm nice to this person. And, and like, when you can, like, break that barrier and, like, well, intentions. We keep talking about that. Like, intentionally, hey, I'm going to go and meet Ian for coffee and we're going to talk about life. There's something so good about that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how many... I have no idea the percentages of how many men do that and don't do that. But for me, that's been... It's been big. I would imagine more don't do. Yeah. And with, like, with my work at the homeless shelter, there's a lot... You know, I work only with men, and... Yeah, you see the isolation. You see the unwillingness to have anybody challenge them. We do a 12-step group there, and it's super challenging, Mm because... They've never done it before, and that's a lot to ask. I mean, I don't want to do it. I'm intentionally going. We're forcing guys to do it that have never done anything. And they, you know, most of them, do, if they have a father, not great examples. Not a lot of buy-in. No, it's, yeah. it's you know, and it, like we've talked about, it's a lot about examples. What, you know, somebody teaches you how to be a man. So when yeah, sure. you don't have that, you know, you got, somebody has to replace it. Yeah. Well, there was a, a Me Without You song. Uh, a couple years ago and the verse says so your old man did you wrong and you're like yeah my old man did me wrong but then the next lyric says well maybe his old man did him wrong yep and just like wow yeah i never thought of it like my father was a son as well and my father had to deal with his father yeah and without going into family history it was not a good situation right so where did my dad learn to be a father they kind of picked it up as he went. Mm-hmm. My father, not being a Christian, doesn't have the example that we do in Scripture. And so you pull together what you see, and what you see is not always uh, what, you, what you'd what want. Yeah, and that, back. when you're able to say that, like, oh, my father came from a father. Like, he was a son that had a dad. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm way more compassionate, way more sure. empathetic, way yeah. more forgiving. Because that can be, like, I can be harsh on my dad, and then it's like, well, what was his example? You know, that's, yeah, that's that's worth that's worth pursuing. Well, I don't think I have too much. Do you have any um, last bit of something you want to you wanna say while well, I got you here? Any last bits of wisdom? Yeah, last bits of wisdom or... I guess a disclaimer that, you know, um, I haven't won any Dad of the Year awards yet, so... Take everything. They could be coming. Maybe. Father's Day, June. I yeah. have a chance at it. Maybe we could do more, I mean, more celebrating of good dads. Something like that. There's a book that I really recommend called Father Fiction. Um, I want to throw that in there. That was a book given to me by Ian because he asked me what to get and I just told him exactly. So that's where he got his inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Inspiration. Father Fiction talks about. Um, a group, uh, it's a nonprofit group that's dedicated to helping men who grow up without fathers and a big problem, I think in, um, in our country and probably just all over 
to to have good good dads and uh yeah can i can i give a book yeah let's do yeah do it uh so i'm going to recommend raising a modern day knight by robert lewis yeah i've heard about that book Uh, talks about being very intentional raising your boys got it yeah Um, how he puts it into three separate phases just like they used to with knights and for the first portion of the boy's life they just copy what you do and that's their job they just go with you everywhere they do everything with you they go to home depot they unclog the toilet they watch (laughs) television with you they do everything with you and then the second part is giving instructions on how those things are to be done and each section there's uh acknowledgement that hey you are growing you have passed okay. the spot and uh there's even like a semi-graduation ceremony at the end when you say to your son you are now a man wow and i think that's one wow. thing they they mentioned in the book we don't have that anymore like no we don't all through history boys knew when they became men there was some sort yeah. of ritual or some sort of age that they reached where right. they became a man. And we don't have that. Now, not, now like in the Jewish circle, they have sure. um, some, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? The bar mitzvah? Yeah, they at least have that, you know, which has become like, you know, I mean, hit or miss as far as like how productive that is and, and stuff. But like, it's something. At least you know. It's, yeah, it's something. And then like, we, like, what is it in the Christian yeah world that that we have that's really good so the book again raising a modern day knight a father's role in guiding his son to authentic manhood that is robert lewis i'm gonna get i'm gonna check that out thank you for that suggestion um all right well i'm gonna close it up here once again thanks so much for my guest ian and this has been winter faith with Frazier.